So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Feature creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semicolon. Um, actually an episode loosely related to d- art and design? Yeah! I mean, they all are. They all are. If you if you don't think they are, you're, you're, you don't understand art or design. Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, if you <laughs> can't make I'm the connection between, like, my cat or your cat and um, the thing it did yesterday, then clearly you don't understand art or design. Um, but we'll enlighten you. So. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Right. Oh. Um, I drop shit everywhere. Oh, that's right. Uh, okay. Let us edify you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk about um, punctuation. Well, we were, I was thinking about font, but we ended up um, stumbling across something I had known about, but it, it comes and goes in my lexicon. Uh, the Interrobang. I love the name of it. It's so great. Um I okay, so most people are probably familiar with an exclamation point or an exclamation mark. Um, it's often uh, there's also the question mark or an inter- interrogative point. Mm-hmm. Also, good mm-hmm. terms that uh, the inter- interrogative point is a great name for a question mark. Um, yeah. So the interrobang is a, a lovely blend of those two, and it's uh, basically it's a the the official well semi-official it's not it's not fully adopted but there's there's support for it um the glyph basically the symbol of it is a superposition mm-hmm. um no, it's a superimposition superimposition of the two yes. marks of the question mark and the um exclamation point or um colloquially called a bang in um like in certain yeah. industries so like programmers we refer to it as a bang um and I think printers also refer to it as a bang. Um, I have, I think I've, so there was a band that pronounced their name Chick 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 and it was three exclamation points. Oh, so yes. It, there must, uh, I don't know if they're the only people in the whole world that would pronounce three bangs as Chick 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 instead of bang, bang, bang. That's but, interesting. Right? Yeah. They were, I don't know if they're still a band. Um, we well, played we, them on the current. Yeah, well, we could do a little, little, uh, a little social or a little research and uh, do a do a short on that one. Yeah. Um. So, how would you ask? How would you use interrobang? One might ask. Um, yes. Like, how what does it all mean? What does it all mean? So, a sentence, according to Wikipedia, um, as of today, which is what March third, twenty twenty one, um. The application of the interrobang. A sentence ending with an interrobang asks a question in an excited manner, expresses excitement or disbelief in the form of a question, or asks rhetorical question, a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. For exam- example, you call that a hat? <laughs> or, You're dying? <laughs> or, or if I'm feeling particularly uh, scathing and terrible, oh, is that what you're going to wear? Oh. <laughs> Uh, we were just talking about the movie. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about the movie Inception the other day. Uh huh. 
And I was like, a bunch of people told me, oh, this movie is like such a head trip. It's so difficult to understand. <clears throat> and so I went in over analyzing the movie uh-huh. and realized part of the way through, like, it's not that hard to understand. And so I had to ask the same people later, like, what what part of it did you find confusing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if I, I said it in a polite way, but I should have been like... <laughs> I should have used the interrobang at the end. <laughs> you find this in- confusing? <laughs> right. I that movie uh when it came out and I remember a lot of people saying how great it was and how amazing and they didn't want to ruin it for me. And so when I did go finally see it, I had the same experience you did. Um to the point where I kept thinking like what uh you guys aren't reading or exposing yourselves to very interesting ideas if this is mind-blowing. Right. Um, I, I thought it was well done. It was fine. It was, you know, refreshing-ish. I mean, th- like, it, it felt like... It was a good movie. Yeah, Ruined it's a good by movie. the fact that everybody yeah. thought it was so confusing and amazing. And you're like, well, I yes. I had my hopes set way too high, which is a shame because this actually is a pretty great movie. Yeah, it's... I mean, from my point of view, that movie is very linear. There's really not a lot to not understand what's going on there. Like, they start yeah. at point A... And then they move to point B, and then eventually they end at point C. Right. There's other plot thing, or there's other questions like you know character questions about you know the protagonist and what's going on with him and whether he's whether he's actually in reality or in a dream or whatever and all of that yes. other stuff. But generally, the movie, you know, all of those things come like giant billboards zooming by as you go forward. Um, right. You know, it's not. <laughs> There's not like like subtly missed meanings anywhere. Um, Right. In fact, Um, I feel like the ending of that movie is, um, you know, the the director is basically like, okay, and then we're going to hit the hit the audience with a baseball bat upside the head and yell at them about how they don't know the answer to this question. And you're supposed to walk away here wondering what happened. What happened? (laughs) Did the top ever stop spinning? (laughs) Right. What does it all mean? So, um, anyway, Interrobang. Yeah. They're uh, Interrobang. Does the top ever stop? Right. Does the top ever stop? <laughs> Inception in, by Aerobang. Interrobang. Right. <laughs> we could just give like Interrobang statements for every movie we've ever watched. That would be or- like Orange County. Uh, get me there in nine hours. <laughs> right. Or just Sean. Sean. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Um. So, uh, the interrobang. The great thing, the thing I like about the interrobang is that, um, it's something people actually use. It's often represented by a question mark and an exclamation point at the same time, right? Okay. So a lot of people yeah. use this. Yes. I think yeah. in casual conversation, um to express exactly what it means. And so if you're listening to this and you've never heard of this, well, you've probably used it and now you have a term for the thing that you did. Um, now you know. Yeah. And so it would be, it would be great if it was included in more character sets um, directly, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that would mm-hmm. be awesome. But yes. Um, Hell yes. It's currently not. However, it is um, part of the larger uh, Unicode um unicode set so if you're not familiar with unicode um very briefly uh uh unicode is basically like a 
the Unicode Consortium is an international organization for standard standardization, and they uh, they collaborate on the universal character set. And so, <clears throat> in the universal character set are lots of things we don't necessarily use um, in U.S. English, but other countries might like. Um, like a specific thing would be um, monetary donut uh, monetary marks, right? So like yeah. we have like the U.S. dollars on our key- keyboards. Um, but like in, in Europe or like in England, they have the pound and then the rest of Europe, they have like the euro mark. And Are they also over the number four? Um, I think, I mean, keyboard layouts is a whole bag of worms. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I believe the <laughs> pound is not over the number four. I, the U.S. layout is a particular layout. There's They're very different. Um, <clears throat> well, they're not very different, but the European versus U.S. layout is is different i've used a european keyboard and i feel like some of the punctuation moves around a bit um anyway uh so <laughs> before we go down that that deep rabbit hole yeah uh, let's yeah. just get to the the meat and potatoes of this which is that um who invented it and yes who to who who can we thank for the intero bank so there was an american named martin k specter uh he was uh from 1915 to 1988 and he um, was the head of an advertising agency, and uh, and so according to Wikipedia, Spectre believed that advertisements would look better if copywriters conveyed surprised rhetorical questions using a single mark, ah. um, which I don't disagree. I, I mean, I disagree with advertising in general, but I don't disagree with <laughs> the ability to convey surprise and question in a single mark. I think that's important. Um, mm, yes. <clears throat> so, uh, so he proposed the concept of a single punctuation mark in the article magazine Type Talks, um, which I'm not familiar with. And there's a whole other um, <laughs> rabbit hole we could dive down at some point. Um, so he solicited. So yeah. Specter solicited some possible names for the new character from readers. Um, this is great. Contenders included uh, Exclamation Quest. No, sorry, S uh. X. Exclamation! Exclamaquest! 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 Well, we know why that one didn't stick. Yep, quizding. <laughs> quizding. Which I I'm okay with. Ret. I am too. I don't know. I don't know what ret. Like that's great. Mm -mm. I guess. Uh, explorative. I do kind of like explorative. Um, mm -hmm. Although I do agree, interrobang is fantastic. It is. It's just like it really. <laughs> it's almost onomatopoeia. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's fantastic. It's so good. Um So, uh yeah. Um and so he invented it. Uh, that was in 1962 when he kind of conceptualized and put forth in that magazine. And um Okay. So he was he lived until 88. So from 62, we can say that he peaked in 1962. Yes. And yeah. he got to enjoy the the hallowed position of having invented the interrobang for a total of like 25 years almost before he died yeah that's pretty great yeah it's it's 26 really great years. that's great that i <laughs> i hope i can enjoy something for 26 years before i die right <laughs> i mean i don't know if he enjoyed it but i'm gonna think that yeah 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 okay good um it, so it's interesting there's um i've there's a couple of um it's it's used currently so the um 
State Library of New South Wales in Australia mm-hmm. uses an interrobang as its logo. Ah, that's fucking cool. Yeah. As does the educational publishing company Pearson. Um, okay. And so they, I guess the, they're quoted as intending to convey the excitement and fun of learning. <laughs> yes. Which I feel like, um, I, I think the re- the thing that, the why we need the interrobang, like, um, mm-hmm. That's fine and good, and I'm sure those are, you know, reasonable institutions and they have their reasoning. But from my point of view, the reason we need the interrobang is to convey um, absurdity. Yes. In this, I, I am your partner in crime. Like, absolutely. I am all for more absurdity in any form. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, one... A close second to the interrobang is for me like the double question mark, which I think in print perfectly conveys a state of bewilderment. Like it's not it's not a straightforward question. It's a question that you can't even believe you're asking the question. Yeah. <laughs> like you're questioning the question itself when you put two question marks behind it. Right. Yes. <laughs> so like I think uh that is also very absurd. Um and I think the I think Two of them I uh, fit into like a separate category of of like speech and and writing. Yeah. Um it like a it like they convey this mental state. Yes. So that's interesting. Um I think that the double question mark is um I think you're onto something here. I think we should consider putting this forward as a new form of punctuation along with the interrobang, uh, like in the vein of the interrobang, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the double question mark is not used or is not strictly grammatically correct. So you won't right. find it in edited texts um, typically. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I do agree with you. Like if you ask the question really, but you put two question marks on there, it's not to it's not the case of the interrobang, right? Like the interrobang is right. a different meaning. If you're putting two question marks, you're conveying that meaning, like you said, of 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 asking the question of the question. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like, is this question correct? Am I understanding this right? Right. Like right? Am I am I asking the right question here? Like yeah. uh yeah, is this question even reasonable? Does this question make sense? Yeah, like it's, I, I've always used it uh, judiciously, but when I put two question marks, it's it's for a reason. It's not yeah. because I hit it twice or I'm just being obnoxious It's or hyperbolic. I'm like right. trying to convey a specific state of mind. <laughs> How would you, like if we were going to like formalize that, um, I mean, just spitballing here, like it sounds like what you're saying is that it's, it's, I mean, I'm thinking of it from a programming point of view, right? So, yeah. um, like, in a programming point of view, there's, the t- like, the string token. So you have the, the phrase or the question, right? So you have the actual words of the question, which would be, is that a hat? And then a mm-hmm. question mark at the end. So now you have a, a sentence that is a question, and it's marked with a question mark. If you add another question mark to it, you're, um, you're basically like from a programming perspective, I'm imagining that you're kind of in, encapsulating all of that statement or all of mm-hmm. the phrase that includes a question mark in another question. Yes. 
like there's there's more to this than just the question at face value. Yes. Um, but I'm trying to think about how you would like say that. Um, I think in some ways, like the interrobang, um, if we kind of look at the definition. Uh, uh, so let's see. Um, is uh, used in various languages and intended to combine. Okay, so wait. Um, right, so uh, with an interrobang, ask a question in an excited manner. So a double question mark would be asking a question or asking, asking the reader to question the question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. So it is uh, a sentence ending with a double question mark um, asks a question of the question being asked, right. I guess. I mean, it, it kind of gets meta, um, which is kind of the whole point, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a so. So a double question mark denotes a meta question of the question. Mm-hmm. The meta question. The meta question mark. Yeah. So what would we call the double the double question mark? Um, like interoquest. Interoquest, right? Is that was that what was suggested by one of the people, and then it didn't get used? Uh, well, no. There was in in uh, there was uh, oh, there was in- it was intero. Uh, well, there was exclamaquest. Exclamaquest, and that's. So quizding. So we could do a quiz quest or exclama quest. <laughs> or no, not exclama quest. Sorry. Quest. Questama quest. Questama quest. It's like four syllables to denote right. two little characters. Oh, quest questerogative? Quest questerative. Mmm. Um intero intero inter interrot. In- <laughs> so interrogative point is a question mark so you could do quest derogative um you could do interquest yep. interquest that's interquest, a good one yeah um int- interoquest recurse a quest recurse I do like the idea of recursion. I mean, it's basically a recursive question, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like another way that you could use it would also be to question the answer to the question. As in yeah. you're asking a yeah. question that we probably know the answer to, like, is mm-hmm. that a hat? And we're all looking at a baseball cap. So yep. yeah, we know it's a, we know it's a hat, but the double question mark intends to um, say that the, the writer is questioning the answer. Right. We all know it's a hat, but is it? Right. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, huh. You can do a lot with punctuation. Yes. The English language is very interesting. Um, it Because of the ability to like use so many loan words and they end up just getting sucked into the lexicon and then they're part of the English language now and, Right. Yeah. So this this article also talks about which fonts you can use that 
the interrobang, and then below that it talks about the inverted interrobang. Yeah. So um, I think, I mean, inverted terabangs, um, well, inverted punctuation is often used in Spanish, I think. Yeah. Uh, because they punctuate at the front and the back, which is helpful because the reader then knows what the fucking, how to, how to interpret the statement before they get to the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That, it makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me as well. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it looks like somebody, the people call the inverted interrobang naboretni, which is interrobang spelled backwards if you pronounce it with a silent G. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the G is silent. The G is silent. <laughs> 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 Not but uh, that's great mm-hmm. i've always enjoyed the um the little like chevron arrows that french you like french language uses at the beginning and end of a quote instead of quotation marks oh the they're, wait say that again they look they're little like chevrons they look like um you know the greater or less than symbols oh yes two of those in a row and then the text, and then the two in a row in the opposite orientation closes in a quote in French, as opposed to using quotes, quotation marks that start and stop. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't know. I just like it better because it brackets better, and then you can use apostrophes and stuff inside of the quote that don't become as weird and confusing and like you have to switch from two quotes to two quotation marks to one when you're quoting inside of a quote and right like all that right stuff. yeah i just the the arrow the little arrow guys yeah just are, are more appealing to me visually than quotation marks are in english are those called guillemets i don't know i think they're called guillemets um which, so I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing about a lot of this punctuation, since we're talking about it, is that um, oftentimes, traditionally, like, you know, so for instance, a guillemet, according to Wikipedia, are a pair of punctuation marks in the form of sideways double chevrons. Um, and they're used as quotation marks in a number of languages. So, um, and so you would use single guillemets inside of another quotation. Um, okay. So if you were like, if you were yeah. quoting somebody quoting something else in a text, you would use single, um, single inside of that. So that's interesting. I mean, this is the thing about fonts and and punctuation is that um, these are real like these are different from a left le- less than or greater than sign, um, which yes. actually. Yeah, I th- I I don't so they come built into a keyboard if it's a French keyboard, right? Right. Just the, right. the same way that the that the quotation marks are on an English keyboard. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um so I've never seen a keyboard with those on it, with the guillemets on it. So I or guillemé or what however it's pronounced in French. I don't know. So they're often like the less than or greater than sign or I've often referred to them as angle brackets. Um uh and so which is is really strictly speaking like different from the guillemets um yeah yes 
because they're yeah they have a much less acute angle on them. Yeah, and the guillemets like are are what what I would call like they're centered top to bottom, and they're half the height of the line. Yes. So they're like half the height of the line, and then move it up to the middle, so it's centered, right? Right. Yep. Whereas an angle bracket or a less than or greater than sign typically is a full height character, like a capital character. Yes, it is. Like a capital capital letter. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, some really interesting <laughs> things. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know about kilomets. I didn't realize they were used that way, and I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, I've often felt like punctuation in in English. I I go back and forth. I think in some ways it's clean, like it's pretty unobtrusive. Like we don't yeah. use a lot of punctuation, but maybe we should. Um, yeah, and I think maybe uh, some listeners will probably be well aware of this fact but there are there's differences between like a dash and a um there's different kinds of dashes right right in print typically there's like an emphasis dash um versus like a um i forget what it's called like a hyphen um yeah it, an emphasis dash is unlike a hyphen yes an I emphasis dash is unlike a hyphen um so like there's um and all of those kind of matter and you probably I think at some point when people started using uh, Microsoft Word, it mm-hmm. had methods for doing that um, to the point oh. where it, it kind of context sensitively like would switch your dash um, to an M dash or an N dash, depending on which which one it thought was appropriate. Um, right. But the length is the thing, right? And so a lot of these symbols, that's kind of it, right? Like the, the guillemets are essentially angle brackets, but... Um, actually not like the, the the size and the placement of it matters um, so yeah right there's something about it visually that I find really appealing and anytime I see like French language with the little wigglies at the beginning and the end for a quote it just makes me like weirdly nostalgic for studying French class and like the illustrations in the French books yes yeah I imagine that's awesome I really enjoyed learning French, but I don't know that I was particularly good at pronouncing it. I could read it, yeah, and I could I could speak in it for at length, like I was technically fluent, I guess, academically fluent. Like I wasn't, I couldn't, right? I, right. Like I didn't have colloquial language, but um, I took six years of French, and I really enjoyed it. Although, I think I would have done much better in German. Like German, I just look at the words and I'm like, oh, I can pronounce that. I know. I it's like it's in my yeah, blood. Right. It's really <laughs> it's weird. <in> yes. <laughs> it's and I just see the words and I think of how my grandma sounded when she spoke and I'm like, I I can, I already yeah. know how to pronounce this. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I should have studied German for six years and I could be speaking to you in German right now, probably many years later. But <laughs> as it stands, the only time I remember French is when I have a dream and someone speaks to me in the dream in French and then I wake up like I remember a bunch of French vocabulary. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I think I had forgotten the word for window in French for like 20 years. And then it came to me in a dream one night. And I was like, I remember the word for <laughs> window in French. <laughs> Super. What was the French phrase that we discussed on a podcast one time? It was um, like the spirit of the oh, stairs. Oh, l'esprit d'escalier. Yeah. 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 The spirit of the staircase. Yeah. That's l- such l'esprit a good. L'esprit d'escalier. How do you say it? Uh, it's l'esprit, so it's L apostrophe S P R I T. L'esprit, the spirit, l'esprit, um, and I believe it's 
de, de mm, it might be du scalier, du scalier. So D U L apostrophe E S C A L I E R. Escalier is French is French for staircase. And like depending on how depending on whether a word is um masculine or feminine, it's either de la d e l a two words d e space l a de la yeah to mean of the or if it's the masculine version of it so it's d u space l e it gets truncated into d apostrophe whatever follows that so it's either l'esprit de scalier uh-huh. or l'esprit de l'escalier interesting and i I can't remember off the top of my head which whether it's masculine or feminine. I think it's masculine, so I think it's du scalier. I suppose we could Google it. We've got the if oh. only there was a machine that could give us all the answers. <laughs> L'esprit de l'escalier. Okay, so yeah, that's weird because oh, it's, like according to Wikipedia, they have they have both. Okay, so I think like the I think. Descalier is like technically the the grammatically correct version of it because you wouldn't put a de in front of a le, right? Um, because that's what shortens it to de. And then if it's a du and an apostrophe, and the, or a du and then a word that begins with another vowel, you yeah. would a, you would put an apostrophe and remove the extra extra vowel. Anyway, it's like a bunch. It's <sighs> so this is really complicated interesting. grammar. I, I don't know if we talked about this when we talked about it. Um, there's a same, same, similar English term that I don't think I've ever heard, but oh. now that I read it, I I know exactly what it means. Escalator wit or staircase wit. Yep, same thing. Yes, exactly. So it's like what? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say if you've listened <laughs> this long and you're still wondering what the fuck we're talking about, um, the idea is the um, it's the predicament of thinking of something perfect to say too late thinking of a good reply too late as in like it wasn't until you were down to the bottom of the steps that you realized you should have what you should have said was Mm -hmm. this um exactly yeah so i think there's a seinfeld episode about this too i think it happens to george i can and then yeah he like i i want to say it's george but whoever it is like delivers the the perfect line later when they should have just let it go entirely and it doesn't land like it then everybody's like what the fuck are you talking about i'm pretty sure it's george because i'm sure he's i think he's all bent out of shape that he didn't say it when he should have and so he's determined to say the witty thing because he wants credit for the witty thing and then he says it out of context and nobody understands why it's witty anymore (laughs) (laughs) oh god i love that show i love it so much oh this is super interesting i do that Mm. show is so great Listen to this. Okay. So okay. not only is there an English equivalent or the similar idea in English in other languages. So in Yiddish, the word, I believe it's pronounced Trepverter. Um, ah, okay. And the German loan, transla- tr- loan translation, Treppenwitz. Um, <laughs> so express the same idea as uh, L'Esprit de Escalier. 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 Um, yep. And then, however, in contemporary German, Treppenwitz has an additional meaning. It refers, oh. to, it refers to events or facts that seem to contradict their own background or con- context. Um, oh. 
so the the frequently used phrase uh Treppenwitz der Waltesgeschichte staircase joke of world history derives from the little book of that by that name that's oh interesting God. so um it's like so this seems to be like at least a european human experience yeah yeah we don't know about other cultures or languages but it's every everybody in western europe and america has got a word for it so so yeah trepanvitz is a good one so trepanvitz is rarely current like modern times rarely used to mean spirit of the stair or staircase wit and much more common and ironic and an absurd coincidence something that if it were not true would seem like a bad joke ah which that helped me a little bit because i wasn't quite understanding what they were getting at um say that again so trepanvitz more commonly used as an ironic and absurd coincidence, something that if yeah. it were not true would seem like a bad joke. Yeah, man, I boy do I identify with that really hard. Right? Yeah. Oh my god. So it's T R E P P E N W I T Z? Yes. See, I don't even have to look it up. I already know these things. Like it's right. so bizarre. Right. Uh I pol- Polish though, I'm hopeless. Yeah. My grandfather spoke Polish fluently because his grandparents or my his parents, my great grandparents were Polish and they moved here. And so they all, all they spoke was Polish. Um, wow. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, and when my grandma came here, all she spoke was German and my grandfather spoke Italian and my other grandma was Austrian. But I don't know if she ever said anything. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah, I don't remember her ever talking around me. I was really tiny, but oh, I don't. Yeah. So I don't remember what she sounded like when she spoke, whether right, it was right. English or another language or what. But mm-hmm. uh, Treppenwitz. Treppenwitz. This is great. Yeah. So um, anyway, if you were wondering how you get to Treppenwitz from Interrobang, that's how you do it. That's um, how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you follow these linguistic lily pads right um anyway i don't know i think that was fun should we do a color of the day um of course i know you have to to run off to uh to school so are you in an oft run run off yeah that's what they say in um the coen brothers movie oh brother where art thou yeah are you in an oft I can't uh, wait for the color of the day. I'm so excited for the color of the day. All right. So according to um, the research department, they said that the color of the day. So this is your top design tip. Okay. Um, or artistic, whatever your thing is. Lay it on us. Opium. So oh. the color of the day is opium. And the color. So the RGB values for opium are 142, 111, and 112. Um, so. It's an interesting color. I popped it in the chat there, so you should see. Okay. Um, you should be able to click on that and have a look at it. Great. Uh, Here we go. So this color is kind of reflective of what's going on today. Like, um, mm. you're probably going to want to use it in a lot of your uh, art projects. Like, if you're painting your house, you definitely want to paint it this color today. Um, right. Because it yes. is the color Don't, of the day. So. 
don't hesitate. I mean, don't hesitate. Like now, whatever now the last, yeah, the last color you had picked out is now superseded by the fact that we have offered up to you opium, and now you have to use it. Yeah. Um, but mix it quick because tomorrow it's going to be something different. So opium is kind of like by itself. I would call it a kind of. It's a definitely like a neutral tone. Um, it's in the red family. Um, it's got a lot of. It's it's pretty gray. Yeah. Um, it's very mauvey. It's mauve. Yes, it's very mauvey. Yep. You know what this is? This color reminds me of the padded vinyl armchairs in a doctor's office waiting room. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's that weird, like industrial gray pink. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, uh, it's not like a it's not a color that's that you're ever likely to run into in another scenario with extreme circumstances. Like it just fades into the background. This is interesting because can you imagine if like so, can you imagine any time that I'm traumatized, my brain just like sucks in all of the details of whatever random shit's going on around me, yes. and then I end up with like aversions to things I can't avoid, like right. you know cars or whatever yeah um people, yeah now i hate people. red cars other people <laughs> yeah so can you imagine like if like the doctor's office was decorated in like primary clown colors like red oh, and yellow and yeah. royal blue and like just all of your dreams were, were painted in the background with horrifying clown colors anytime that you were traumatized medically it would be a nightmare this opium color solves that problem in doctor's offices yeah you'll never even notice it yeah you'll never notice it you'll never see it this color is so inoffensive that it basically offends everyone just enough right i don't think there's anyone who's like this is my favorite color right exactly that's why it's so valuable it's like thank god i can hate that color yep yep um yeah, I, I think about like, like this safe is safe color, color to hate. What? It's a safe color to hate. It's a safe color to hate. Yeah, <laughs> I actually I get why they I get why they named this color opium now as I think about it because um, this is the color that would if like like if you had to spend a lot of time around this color you would probably want to start smoking opium. I've got to do something to break the monotony of this opium colored chair. Yeah, you just you'd want you'd want something to kind of take the edge off because I think it would just <laughs> like lull you into like a soporific sort of state of like monotony and, and mindlessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Um, I think the reason that it's called opium is because some of the poppies that they grow to harvest um, opium from and and like make well heroin or also pharmaceuticals yeah. out of um are usually like these big fluffy white ones with purple streaks on the leaves and the purple streaks are that oh, kind that, of mauvey purple mauve yeah. i think so because i was looking um i was doing research for planting my garden and i was looking at all different kinds of poppies and when you mentioned opium i thought i wonder if it's going to be that like purpley like it uh, they the flowers themselves almost look like a bridesmaid dress because it's yeah. like a perfect color for a bridesmaid dress too. Just like you're never going to wear it ever again. Right. So you don't have to worry about the weird memories you have attached to it. Everybody hates it. So it's a safe color to wear because nobody is going to like wear it and feel strongly about it themselves. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But that's what those flowers reminded me of. And now we've come full circle. And <laughs> now we've come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. All uh, our research leads us here. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that's it. It was a little bit of a shorter long one. Um, it won't be the shortest. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of long ones in our, our near future. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've had ones that have gone to like two hours. So yeah. Yeah. Um, We're making up for it in the opposite direction. This Right. Time. I get to go um, watch some presentations. So here is something that's absolutely adorable. Yes. Um, I am at a cultural crossroads and an outsider to both of the cultures at which I am of, you know, like at the crossroads in front of me. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't come is from. Is there or, a little Legba sitting there or is that? There's a little Legba. He's like, I don't know what to do here. So I, our the class that I'm in right now is yeah. ethical theory. Um, and I'm in it with, it's a grad graduate level class. So there's a bunch of doctors and people who work in healthcare who have to understand biomedical ethical theory. Um, and, uh, they have all been assigned like I have, if they're in the graduate program to doing these presentations in front of everybody that um, are a particular style of presentation, and it's a it was um, developed in Japan, I believe, or maybe I'm wrong about that, but it harks to Japanese culture because so the the style of presentation is essentially twenty slides, and they um they auto advance, and you look at each slide for twenty seconds, and then you speak over those slides while they're advancing, so you don't necessarily speak about the content of any particular slide. The slides are there in the background to give visual weight to the things that you're saying and how you pace yourself is just straight through the six minutes and 40 seconds. Gotcha. Okay. I, that's <clears throat> that's a, interesting. I, I kind of so think that could it work. Kind of, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like when people would want to show you their slides and their slide projector from their vacation and they would like lecture over their slides as they were like clicking the slide advance. And it's like there was never any printing or bullet points or language on any of those slides they were just pictures that pictures were a thousand words so you talk about the pictures anyway um i researched this particular type of presentation style at uh, there's an organization like dedicated to furthering and advocating for this particular type of like storytelling and sharing and so you can go to their website and you can upload all of your photos and you can record the audio to speak over it. And then you can post it online and people can watch your presentation about whatever you want to do a presentation about. Some are really artistic. Some are very informative. It's kind of like your own little TED talk with like slides in the background. Right. Right. And so um, I was like, OK, this is really interesting. And so I watched a video at this website and the the style of this presentation is spelled P E C H. A K U C H A. Now, this is based off of like something Japanese, right? And Wait. so the pronunciation of it is yeah. not phonetic in English. And where I'm from is Minneapolis. Yeah. And I, we have like the obnoxious Fargo accent or, you know, whatever. And then where I go to school is Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And so. I'm now watching the intersection and listening to the intersection of a, a Japanese or Japanese-inspired style of presentation pronounced a certain way, being pronounced by people from Kentucky. How do you spell it? P-E-C-H? P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A. And it's pronounced, it's onomatopoeic. So it's pronounced in such a way as to conjure in you the sound and imagery of people like 
conversing quietly in the background, like whispering, like psh, 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 right? Yeah. So it's pronounced shaksha. Shaksha. Yeah. So you're like shaksha, shaksha, and it's like it's just the sound. Like, it's like sub- kind of like chit chat. To- yeah, it's like chit chat. Like it's just like like friendly conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like saying like psh, 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 or something like that. If you're like blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. So it's just it, it doesn't it's just a nonsense word that conjures the sound of people like talking back and forth in a conversational tone. Shakcha. Right. Shaksha, but yeah. because of the way it's spelled, everybody in class is pronouncing it Pechacucha. Pechacucha. <laughs> and I haven't like I haven't brought it up. I'm not going to say anything, but I just thought it was hilarious because it took me very much by surprise when I went to the like organizational website to look at other people's pashakashas and understand how they did them uh-huh. and get like inspiration for how to do mine and they pronounced it and I was like oh my god <laughs> like it is not pachacucha <laughs> it's pashakasha and it has like nothing to do with actual words that you pronounce like words it just cracked me up so anyway that's what I'm off to now to go watch people give their pachacuchas about bioethics <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds really fun. Um, thank everybody for listening. Uh, send us an email if you want to talk to us. Uh, that's D-A-N-A at FCBM.io. Dana at FCBM.io. Um, and Dana will get you routed to whoever you want to get your comments to. All right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thanks. Bye.